So pull out your notes for today's message if you pick those up on the way in and would like to do so. We invite you to do that. And uh, I'm in this series of messages uh, that I'm calling the Great Questions of Life. And today I want to talk with you about hope. And specifically, is there any hope? You know, what we're dealing with in the world and everything. I don't think I have to tell you there's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of anxiety. People are scared today. What's going on? What's happening? Is there any hope internationally? Is there any hope <clears throat> economically in terms of our our own nation, even just the very core and fabric of our nation. A lot of people are, are very fearful about what's going on and wondering if uh, the future, wondering maybe what the future holds and so forth. Maybe you've had those very thoughts too. You've wondered, is there any hope? Is there any hope for your health? Is there any hope for your family? A lot of those questions plague humanity today. Professional counselors tell us that Maybe the most common uh, problem that people are dealing with when they come in to see them is the issue of fear. And where there is a lack of hope, there is a great increase of fear. Fear and hope really connect together. When hope goes down, fear goes way up. One little boy asked his daddy, Daddy, are you ever afraid? And his daddy said, well, yes, sometimes. So the little boy pressed further. He says, well, well, are, are you afraid of spiders? And his daddy said, no, I'm not afraid of spiders. And, and he says, well, are you afraid of robbers? And he says, no, I'm not afraid of robbers. And he thought again, he says, well, are you afraid of thunder like I am? And he says, no, I'm, I'm not afraid of thunder. Are you afraid of ghosts? He says, no, I'm not afraid of ghosts. He says, well, then I guess the only thing you're afraid of is mommy. A lot of the men said amen under their breath right there. <laughs> but if I were to ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? I don't want you to answer out loud, but what would your answer be? What would you say? Are you afraid of the doctor's visit that you got this week that's coming up and you don't know what's out there? Are you afraid maybe of the doctor's report that you're going to get? Maybe you're afraid of your marriage. Will your marriage last? Are you afraid of your finances, the financial situation you're dealing with? Maybe you're afraid of growing old. You're afraid of not finding the, life, the right life partner for you. Are you afraid for your kid's future? Are you afraid of violence? All of those things are very valid fears that we deal with. And all of those things can bring a lot of fear and anxiety into our hearts. Actually. They can bring torment. You know, the Bible talks about that and says, exactly uses that word. It says that fear can be a tormenting thing. It says it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, fear has torment with it. There's a torment that comes with fear. Now, experientially, I think we all understand that. We connect with that. We, we understand that fear brings a sense of torment um, to our lives. But that's why Psalm 34 and verse 4 goes on to say, or to encourage us to seek God, because it says there, if you seek God, you will be delivered from all of your fears. But really, when you stop to think about it, fear is a lack of hope. Like I said earlier, where, where hope goes down, fear goes up. Fear about your health is really a lack of hope that you're going to get any better. 
That's why you're fearful about it. Fear about your finances is really a lack of hope that you'll ever get past the current financial crisis that you're dealing with. And fear about your kids is really a lack of hope that they'll ever turn their lives around. That's the torment of fear. It's what we call the, the what-ifs of life. What if this happens? What if that happens? It's the torment of fear over things that you can't control and the things that you can't change. But there is God. And with God, there is always the possibility of control and change. It may not be your control and it may not be your ability to control to change it, but God has the ability to control and to change. And so he offers you a way to live your life so that you're not controlled and dominated by that fear, by that hopelessness. This is how Romans chapter 15 verse 13 puts it. And here it's the, the apostle Paul who's writing this. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read it again. I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy, with peace, because of your confident trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to offer you a way out, a way out of the fear, a way out of the depression, a way out of the despair. In that verse, the Apostle Paul says that God is offering you two things. It says, well, actually, that God, that it tells us two things about hope in that verse. First of all, that God is the source of hope. And secondly, that he is offering to us something called confident hope. So I want us to look at this. When you are in trouble, when you are overwhelmed, when you're depressed, you have got to run to the source that will bring healing and will bring calmness and peace to your life. That source is Jesus Christ called the source of hope. Jesus is the source of hope. He is the wellspring of hope. If you want to go to where hope is found at its source, you run to Jesus. Hope is not found in religion. Hope is not found in things. Hope is found only in the person of Jesus Christ himself, making him your Savior and your Lord. You can try to find hope in a bottle, but you won't find it there. You can try to find hope in pills, but you won't find it there. You can try it in the party life or indiscriminate sex, but it won't, you won't find it there. You won't find it in getting more money. You won't find it in owning more things. Hope is found only in one place, Jesus Christ. He is what God says here, the source of hope. You can, th this is true. You can dull your fear with a little a little bit with a bottle. You can dull your fear, but you can't overcome it. You can't win against it. You can weaken the grip of fear, 
for a season, for a time, in the party life. But you won't overcome it. It's going to come back on you. You can try to run from fear by losing yourself in drugs or alcohol or sexual passion, but you will not overcome it there. There's only one source of help, only one source of healing. It's the source of hope who is himself, Jesus Christ, the only real and lasting source of hope for your life. And that's why the Apostle Paul called him the source of all hope. He is the source of all hope. He gives you hope that things can change. Because God is a God of hope that tells us that nothing is hopeless, okay? Nothing is hopeless in your life. It may feel hopeless. It may seem despairing. Nothing is hopeless because there's God. God is the source of hope, and because he's the source of hope, that means he has a way to get you out of the mess that you're in. Hallelujah. Now, the devil's the opposite. He specializes in telling people that nothing will ever change that nothing will ever get better in their life. That's how he hooks you with fear. The hopelessness of the thought that nothing will ever change in my life can become a, a fear stronghold. I want you to hear that word stronghold. Some of you are gripped with a stronghold of fear. A stronghold is something more than emotion. Everybody has emotions of fear. But a stronghold of fear is actually demonic. It is satanic. It gets a hold of people's lives. It's like, a, it's like a firm grip or an anchor, and it will not be moved. And the thought that you have been overcome by a tormenting or a stronghold of fear that there is no way out of your situation can be a tormenting thought. But Paul says you have the ability in this verse to overcome the torment instead of being overcome by it. Hallelujah. How? By letting the Holy Spirit fill you completely with three things he mentions in this verse. First of all, joy. Second of all, peace. And thirdly, trust. I want to look at all three of them briefly this morning. And then we're going to celebrate with some folks in our baptismal service. First of all, I want us to talk about joy. Joy is the gift God gives his people who choose to let his spirit reign in their hearts. When God is in charge, you naturally have joy in your heart. Even though you may be sad by circumstances, there's an undergirding of joy that the apostle Peter calls inexpressible and full of glory. No way it can be overwhelmed. It comes from God himself. You see, now depression is common to people who don't have Christ. You say, well, how do you know that? I know that because the sale of antidepressant drugs is at an all-time high in America today. So I know that depression is prevalent in our society, and it's especially prevalent with people who don't know Christ because they have no place to turn. But do you know that depression can also attack the Christian? The enemy will do that against you. He'll come against your life. He'll try to invade your life with depression. And if we're not careful... That spirit can be allowed to enter into us, take up residence within us, and once we allow that to happen, it's very easy to give in to it. And there again, the word stronghold, it can become a stronghold. 
So you can actually, from a fear stronghold, develop a depression stronghold. That means it's an empowered thing from hell itself. But God wants you to experience a work of his spirit where he, he turns things around for you emotionally. Now, I want to tell you that I think the faith we stand on is a very intellectual faith. I think the faith of Christ and the Christian life is based solidly on, on an, it's not just we check, we don't check our brains at the door when we, when we walk into church. We have an intellectual faith that is substantiated by proven facts that point to the reality of God. But I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't just touch us intellectually. For those of us who allow him, he will touch your spirit. He will touch your soul. He will move in the emotions of your heart and in your life. This is what he promises in Jeremiah 31, 13. He says, I will turn your mourning into joy. I will exchange your sorrow for rejoicing. Praise God. So let the Spirit fill you completely with joy. That's what Paul offered. That's what Paul talked about in Romans 15, that he will fill us completely with joy. Well, how does that happen? I want to offer a suggestion to you this morning. I want, to, I want to suggest to you that you become a joyful people, a, a people full of joy. So this is how it gets practical. If you've walked into this building this morning and you're full of fear, you're full of anxiety about what's going on in your life right now, I want to encourage you to give a joyful shout unto the Lord. You say, I don't feel like giving a joyful shout unto the Lord. But it doesn't matter what you feel like. What's important is what you're willing to do to declare your belief that God is king and sovereign over your life. It doesn't matter how you feel. That is the battle that every one of us deal with. You choose to give to God a joyful shout as a, as a point of a sacrifice of praise. It's not going to come easy. You don't feel it, but you're going to do it anyway. If you are full of pain in your body, I want to encourage you to give a joyful shout unto the Lord. Right in the midst, in the middle of your pain, you say, I hurt. That doesn't matter. You give a joyful shout unto God anyway. If fear is controlling your life, anxiety controlling your faith, you fight back against it. Give a joyful shout unto the Lord. Listen to what Psalms says, uh, a few scriptures here say. Psalm 89 verse 15 says, happy are the people. You see the emotion there? Happy are the people who know the joyful shout. Do you know the joyful shout in your life? It's not the shout that the Broncos won the Super Bowl, because if you're waiting on that, It's the joyful shout of what God has done within your life as a believer. I was so captured by that little phrase. They know the joyful shout. I started looking into it. I started digging into the original language. God, what are you trying to tell us here? It means that they know it. It means they do it. It means they know what it's going to do for them when they do it. It means they declare it to others. So what this verse is saying, happy, are, you want to be happy? Okay, this, the, I, I don't have, I'm not trying to pull something on you. You want to be happy? It says, all right, it says, happy 
are the people who know what the joyful shout. They do it. They know what it leads to. They share it with others. And then it says, oh, Lord. That's what Yahweh means. It's the name of God in the Old Testament. Oh, Lord, they walk in the light of your presence. So if you want the presence of God filling your life, know what it means to have a joyful shout. Know what it's about. Begin to do it. Declare what it's going to do over your life. That's what God will do with that. Psalm 98, verse number 6 says, With trumpets and the sound of a horn, shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Have you ever been told that being reverent before the Lord means you're passive and quiet and boring? You ever been told that? That's what real reverence is? I, de I defy that in the name of Psalm 88, verse, or 98, verse 6. How in the world can you be passive? How in the world can you be boring when you've got the trumpets out and you're sounding the horns and you're shouting joyfully before the Lord, the King? Hallelujah. Psalm 47, verse 1 says, clap your hands. What were we doing in worship today? We were clapping along with the music. Do you know that that's Bible? Clap your hands, all of you people. Then do what? Shout to God with a loud, joyful song. Hallelujah. Don't stand back and say, well, praise the Lord. My life's just so rough. Everybody's life is rough. Give the joyful shout. Get some victory in your spirit. Shout. Psalm 98, verse 4, shout to the Lord, all of the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. You say, Pastor Jim, that's not my style. Well, maybe that's why you're so depressed. <laughs> maybe that's why you got no joy. I'm trying to help you here with having a remedy, overcoming what the enemy wants to place upon your, t uh, on your life. It's time to let the Lord replace your fear with a joyful shout of confident praise. It's time to overwhelm the despair in your life with a joyful shout of praise unto the Lord because the joyful shout will build faith. The joyful shout will overcome hopelessness. The joyful shout will put hell on notice that you're not going to take it anymore. Hallelujah. You're going to fight for your faith for Jesus Christ. So Paul says, first of all, get joy. First of all, be filled completely with joy. Then secondly, he says in Romans 15, God wants to fill you completely with peace. And it's amazing how much peace you get inside when you start praising God with joy. That's why God's word says in Nehemiah 8:10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When the joyful shout is what you're about, you're going to have strength and praise and miracles and, and the power of God flowing in your life. That's a good little rhyme right there. The joyful shout is what I'm about. The joyful shout is what I'm about. The joyful shout. That just came to me. It must be the Lord. Or not. I don't know. But You know, peace is right up there with hope. It's right up there with hope. Um, if, if we don't have peace, we can get overwhelmed real fast. So what is peace? Peace is God's assurance that however it all works out, it's going to work out in the right way. And it's going to work out for the good. Whether I like it or not, it doesn't matter. It's, peace is the assurance that says it's all going to work, work out for the right and for the good because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. 
I remember talking with a young Christian couple that Carrie and I were their pastors for some years, many years. And um, after we had left that church, they had just a few months, months previously to us talking with them, lost their two-year-old little boy to brain cancer. And I, I, I was worried about how that, that trial would affect them. I, I was worried, because I mean, that's a biggie to lose your little two-year-old. That, that's not small stuff. We're talking big stuff here. And uh, I so thank God I never had to go through that. But I worried a little bit about how their faith would hold up. I worried a little bit about how their spirit would be and, and how their relationship with God would be. But I was so surprised to see them filled with the joy of the Lord. I mean, they were so full of the joy of the Lord, it kind of took me back just a little bit. And when I told them how excited and proud I was to see the spirit that they had, they told me it was because of the peace that they had inside. They said, we're just so filled with peace. They said, we know that even though the loss of our child was a very heavy and hard trial to go through, we have peace about this because we know death is not the final word. It's not the end of the story. I want you to know something, brothers and sisters. The casket does not hold the final word. Death does not claim the Christian. The believer may die physically, but we go somewhere. We don't die spiritually. We go somewhere. That's why Jesus could tell a group of 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 Jewish religious leaders who didn't believe in the resurrection, Matthew twenty-two thirty-two. he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. In fact, before he said that, he says, you guys are in grave error. You, he is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And that's why the apostle Paul could then say in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, death is swallowed up in victory. So I'm saying to myself as I read that, if God can bring victory even, in, even over, even in the midst of your, our greatest enemy, which is death. How much more victory can he give you over whatever you're facing today in your life? That's why you can have peace when everyone else has no peace. That's why you can have peace when everything around you seems to be crumbling and people are in the grip of terror. It's because you know the ultimate victory is in the hands of God. It's because you know that Jesus is walking you through this situation. It's yours in Christ. So the first thing that God wants to fill you completely with is joy. The second thing he wants to completely fill you with is his peace. And the third thing is trust is trust. Trust is simply the assurance that God will work it all out. It may not feel like it's being worked out. It may not seem like it's being worked out, but trust says in spite of the circumstances, I believe God, even when everything else around me seems to be falling apart. I have an older sister who strayed away from God when she was a teenager. And I don't know what all she got into in her life, but her life has been a mess, and she bears the marks of that. And the heartache of her rebellion filled the hearts of my mother and father. I can remember so many times them feeling like it was their fault. They had done something wrong because my sister, their daughter, had walked away from God and, and gone into a rebellious life. 
And, and some of you know how my mom and dad felt because you're feeling the same way about your child who is also rebellious, also wayward. But I'll, I'll never forget the day that my mom said to me that she had been in prayer and she said, Jim, God has confirmed in my heart that your sister is going to come back to Jesus and I may not see it in my lifetime, but she is going to come back to the Lord. It's going to happen. You see, and I thought about that and I said, that is trust right there. That's trusting what you don't see. That's believing what you don't see. There's no evidence of it. But I trust that God's going to be true to the word that he's placed in my heart. There was no outward appearance that my sister was getting tender towards the Lord. There was no outward appearance that she was moving his, his direction. She didn't appear to want Christ in her life. And my mom has since passed away back in 2010. But I'm happy to tell you that my sister has since come back to Jesus Christ and she now calls him her Savior and her Lord. What I'm telling you today, church, is that your trust in God will bring the miracle that you need in your life. That's why Proverbs 3, uh, uh, 3 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge that his way is the best and he will direct your path and make it straight. In other words, trust, don't fear. So here's what I'm saying to you today. Jesus is offering you a new power. It's the power of joy. It's the power of peace. It's the power of trust. In fact, I get excited because the Apostle Paul says that God wants to fill you completely with joy and peace and trust. Not just a little bit. Not just a Sunday portion. He wants it to be alive for you on Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. He wants you to know what it's all about on Thursday morning. He wants you to be living it on a Saturday night before you even come to church on a Sunday. This is important, but God wants to do something in your life more than just what's happening here. He wants to take it into your life daily. He wants to fill you completely with these things. Let's look at it again, Romans 15. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because of the trust you, you trust in him. Then you will overflow with, a, with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but here's the truth. You decide what fills you. Every one of you are filled with what you have decided you want to be filled with. You want to be a skeptic, filled with skepticism? That's your choice. You want to be filled with fear? Even as a Christian, you can be filled with fear. You can be depressed and justify it all day long. You can be filled with, um, well, on and on. You decide what you are filled with. If it's anxiety, if it's fear, Satan will take over your mind and your spirit, and you'll have no peace and you'll have no power. And you'll say, why does this work for everybody else, but it's not working for me? Well, here's the deal. If you will choose to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him, things will begin to change in your life. And it may not change for you by Tuesday afternoon, but if you hold steady in your confident trust in God, the Lord is going to make the table start turning 
in your life. Things are going to start changing. Your life will take on a new direction. New doors of opportunity will begin to open for you. God will begin to reveal himself to you in greater ways than you have ever known before. You're going to begin to know a depth in Jesus that you didn't even know existed. And you'll find a new depth of victory in your life and in your spirit. And you'll find that depressive thoughts are becoming less and less. And power in the Holy Spirit is becoming more and more in your life. I'm not saying that you're never going to have a problem. I'm not saying that you're never going to be depressed again. I am saying that God will give you the power to be an overcomer no matter what you face. All because you choose to allow God's Spirit to fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And when you do that, not only do, you cha do things change on the outward, but you begin to change on the inward as well, on the inside. Your circumstances change, but more importantly, you begin to change. God changes your heart. God changes your spirit too. Instead of constant fear, instead of constant weakness, he gives you what Paul calls confident hope. So let's read it one more time. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave me a revelation in the first service that I had not seen when I was studying for this message. It popped out at me as I concluded the first service. It says here, not only will God fill you completely, but notice it says that you will overflow as well. So not only will he give you all you need, but it's going to overflow. Listen, you are overflowing with something right now. Your life is overflowing with something. And you're leaving a mark behind you. Every one of us is overflowing and leaving a mark of something behind us. What God is offering is for you to be so full of him and so full of his joy and his peace and trust in him that you leave the mark of love, of, love, of love, but of joy and of peace and of trust. Everywhere you go, there's something different about you. You leave a mark wherever you go. And it's not the same mark that the other people on the job are leaving. It's not the same mark that... that of discouragement and despair and gloom that's all over their lives. You are a different person. You're leaving a different mark, and God is flowing through you. It's not that you don't see the problems in the world. It's just that you know there's a higher power, right? You know there's a God who is working, and now you're leaving the mark of your faith and your trust in him. I invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I'd like to give an opportunity for those of you who don't have a vital living relationship with Jesus Christ this morning to make that decision. I'm not asking you to join this church because church membership won't save you. But when you join the family of God by giving your heart to Christ and your life and turning it over to him, he becomes the Lord of your life. That's what Jesus called being born again, born into God's family. Sin separates us from God. 
Jesus bridges the gap, and I'd like to pray with you. Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.